Good morning. <laughs> oh, it's good to see you. Uh, we are in a, a brand new series uh, here. Uh, and the, the idea of this series is very simple. Uh, the idea is to take some classic kind of things that have kind of snuck into our Christmas traditions, and that being songs that we have heard probably from our childhood, or maybe even this morning we sang in kind of a fresh way, and to kind of reclaim them. Uh, not let them just to sift into uh, kind of this like feeling of, oh, I love the holidays and everything's grand and, and good and, and great, but actually recapture the meaning of them, reclaim them in the sense of understanding what they really are all about. And I think it's going to be a really fun series because I think by the end of it, you're going to have four carols that you're going to understand why they rose to popularity, why all of a sudden we do have these things at the center of, of kind of our Christmas tradition and what, where they came from directly and understand, oh man, that's why this has a powerful place at the center. And it's not just because uh, it just makes you feel like Christmas time. Because most of the time, that's what these songs, these carols do, is they just remind you of it. It's, you know, going to be Missouri, which means they promise six inches of snow, and then we get 55 degrees. So, you know, that's Christmas time in Missouri. So, you know, this is, I think, going to be a journey for us. It's going to be a fun thing for us to do. Uh, I really hope that you'll come back each week uh, anticipating and learning about another song, and we'll get to sing it together. Uh, and then we'll get to learn about it, uh, which is, I think, is going to be really, really neat. So the hope is that by the end of this series, you'll have kind of changed your perspective on four songs in a way that will reclaim them for you to years to come. That when you hear that song, you'll know a little bit more. You'll be able to talk about it in a fresh way. And it'll be able to speak to you in a deep way. So that it won't just hang on the outskirts of warm and fuzzies, but it'll actually go and penetrate as it should, as the Christmas story should, and go deep inside and change your life. So, we're going to start today with O Holy Night. O Holy Night. Now, uh, to much of your dismay, I am not going to sing the song for you uh, this morning, but I do have <laughs> some of the lyrics, but I want to give you a, a little background on this song. This is such a neat thing, and you can look this up. You can go and, and look some of these facts up yourself. There's so much more than I can share in the few minutes to start, but here's what we know, okay? The song was written in 1847, okay? And the background of how this song came to be uh, is, is kind of one of those, like, what? Like, neat kind of ideas. So it was a parish in, in France that wanted the, the parish, the, the man that ran the parish actually wanted a fresh song for his congregation to sing. So he did a crazy thing. He went to a local poet, uh, and I wrote his name down. It's in French. I'm not going to be able to. Polite Capal. All right, I did pretty good. All right, Polite Capal. And, and now, here's the crazy thing about Polite. Polite was not a Christian. He wasn't a Christian poet at all. And so what the parish guy asked him to do was actually write a fresh view on Luke chapter 2. So on the way, on his journey from where he locally lived to all the way into the town of Paris, a few, actually along, a few hours away, he wrote a poem that we now call the song, O Holy Night. And he wrote it by reading Luke chapter 2, having it not be anything that he had really understood or heard before, and then would be like the birth of Christ. Now, what's so cool about this is when he got to Paris, he recognized that what he wrote was very powerful, and he knew it could not stay as poetry. It needed to be a song. And so he went and found a local Jewish composer who did not believe that Jesus actually came as the Savior, and did not think, and the composer put a fresh, incredibly unique song 
to the text. And we were given a holy night. Now, if that's not enough, that is so cool. So then they brought it back, and actually the, the Catholic Church at the time was the one that used this, and they used it for years and years and years. And it was saying the first time at that parish on Christmas Eve, 19, or 1847. And it went on to be spread, and it was actually extremely popular for years to come. So popular that in the uh, late 1800s, uh, a man in the United States... Uh, which I will try to remember his name. I'll just say it. Just, it's one of those, like, I'm like, John Savard de Vaught. All right? And, and he's German, but he's in America. I, I, you know how those words are. It's awesome. This is how I remember things. i got to say it with an accent. So he decided that one of the lyrics in the song was how slaves were set free and that all people were equal. And so what did he do? But for the Civil, civil War and the revolution of that, that time, of the Abolishment of slavery, he captured this song as the essence of what being a Christian and a Christ follower was all about and what Jesus really came to do. So he translated the song from French to English. And then in 1906, you guys, this, this blew my mind when I learned this. In 1906, a 33-year-old mechanical engineer from Canada created a generator that was able for the first time to broadcast radio. And on Christmas Eve, 1906, this French inventor that lived in Canada played O Holy Night as the first song that was ever played across the airwaves of radio. Now, the song, of course, has stuck around. Right? It's not 1906 anymore. But in my mind, that is what catapulted this song to popularity. And to this day, we have many songs that we sing and that we know because of radio. But isn't it crazy that 150 plus years later, a non-Christian poet reading about the birth of a savior and a Jewish composer put together such a perfect explanation of a holy night. So what I want to do for you for the next few minutes is just take just a piece of this song, because the song itself is gorgeous, and we just, goodness gracious, it's gorgeous. I, I, I tried to sing it, I had to go get a breath bit because my throat was hurting by the end. I couldn't, I couldn't quite get there. I wanted to. <laughs> But I want to take just a piece of this song, and it's one, one little section, and I think this will give you a good start to capturing the meaning of this song, but also a good start to taking a fresh look at Christmas this year, to letting this be something that maybe Christmas isn't just about how good it feels or how bad it feels even, but maybe there's some fresh hope and a fresh look. So here's the verse, or the, 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 basically the verse of the song, the verse of the Bible, the verse of the song that we're going to look at. And it's just one, this one little phrase right here. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I don't know about you, but when I look around, I see a weary world. Uh, when I even wake up in the morning or I think about the, the daily life that I have, uh, 
There's a lot of weariness in it, isn't there? Even in the people that we don't know, people that we know well, there just seems to be some weariness. I, I take solace in thinking that 150 years ago, the world was weary then too. And though we like to blame it on the pace of life or technology or our lack of ability to slow down, it seems like it's always been a part of the struggle. And I don't know where you come in this morning. I don't know if you came in and you're just like out of it, done. You just can't wait for the holidays to be over. You're just weary as all get out. All the reminders of the painful things that maybe creep in. I don't know if you came in here and you are just like, spiked up on Christmas spirit, you know? You've already watched the elf. But I know all of us. I know all of us can feel that weariness. And I know sometimes the Christmas spirit can distract or it can amplify it. The second line of this song is what Christmas is all about. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. As dark and as weary and as difficult a day may be, there is another day coming. There is a future day coming that we will rejoice in today. Now, all I want to do for you is use a very obscure passage in Lamentations over the next couple minutes to illustrate this idea. And then I want to give you three things to walk away with if we're going to walk in this new and glorious day, this new and glorious morn, as we're walking into Christmas season and recapturing a carol. In Lamentations chapter 3, which you've never read Lamentations, I mean, you're like, that's a book of the Bible? Yes, yes it is. It's a long one, all right? You just call it Lammy, all right? It's Lammy. All right, Lamentations, all right? Lamentations is a very complicated Jewish book. It, it's, it's one of these books that the, the author is, it's unknown. Um, you know, there's a couple aspects that they think they know, but it's, it's really unknown. And it's, it's a lament, all right? This is a, this is a pouring out of the soul of brokenness. And it's a reflection that these Jewish authors or author has from the city of Jerusalem being basically overrun and destroyed in 587 B.C., and these people are watching their city being destroyed, and then they're living in the brokenness afterwards. They're living in this fractured world that was once beautiful, this broken place, this broken understanding, temple system, their king, their, their cities, their, their children, everyone that they loved is just decimated, destroyed, ripped apart by the empire of Babylon. And so when we read chapter three, you have to understand that the two chapters that precede it are just absolute heartache and brokenness, understanding that their disappointments, their poor decisions has led to some horrible consequences and terrible things have happened and they're crying out to God, saying, why? I don't understand, I don't get it. I know that you have to be just, and I know that this makes sense because we were disobedient, but please, God, show us some mercy. And so we pick up in chapter 3, and this is probably one of the only hope-filled verses in this whole book, and so we're just kind of pulling this nugget out, which is kind of fun. 
Here's what the author says in chapter 3. And remember, this is under the context of a new and glorious morn. I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. I remember what I had. I remember what it was. Yet, this I call to mind. Oh man, isn't that a powerful thing? That our current circumstances would not have power over us. But that we can remind ourselves. Therefore, I have hope because of the Lord's great love. We are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new when? Every morning. Every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. And then he says this to himself. I love this reflection. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Those in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Many of us feel that weariness, but none of us have probably felt the total desolation of everything we loved and cared about. And the powerful thing about this section of scripture, it's 66 verses long, is it pulls from the imagery of Job, it pulls from the imagery of the Psalms, and it pulls from the imagery of Isaiah. All these images of God and his faithfulness and who he is, but also the brokenness of the country or the nation of Israel at the time. And I know for most of us, look, Christmas is, the Christmas season is a total bag full of that same stuff. There is good things about Christmas. There are fun things about Christmas, but there is also the pain of loss in Christmas. There's the heartache of those that are not here anymore. There's, there's heartache of the time and the memories that were previous that are not here again. Uh, and there's, there's also doubt about what this year or what the next year or what the years to come will be like. Now that things have changed and things are different. That's why this passage in Lamentations has so much power to me. Because there's no promise yet that Jerusalem will be restored. There's no promise that this man or this woman's current circumstances will change in any way. But yet he or she is clinging to. Clinging to the Lord. So how do you and I, how do you and I choose this type of response? How do we choose to believe? Look, how do we choose to believe that one day with Christ could make all the difference? How do we choose to believe that tomorrow may be all it takes? Tomorrow may be all it takes. Tomorrow may be all the time we have left. How do we choose to do that? And I want to give you three ways that we can choose to believe or choose to walk with or choose to be understanding of the idea that one day with Christ may bring these three things. One, exactly what you need. One day with Christ will bring exactly what you need. Now, when I say that, most of us in here don't have the childlike response outwardly, but inwardly we do. All right? And what I mean by that is when you're a child and you hear Christmas, what do you hear? I get, right? 
right? That's what, I, that's what I hear. When I hear Christmas as a child, I hear I get. Nobody goes to a child and goes, hey, what are you giving daddy for Christmas? What are you giving me? You don't know? Figure it out. Like nobody, no, nobody does that, right? No. So as a child, what do we learn? Christmas is about what? I get. I, I, I get. And, and the truth is, what are we asking for most of the time is what we want, and there is a giant difference between what I want and what I need. What I want and what I need. And see, as children, uh, we're able to, uh, as parents, as adults, all right, because most of you in here are either aunts, uncles, nephews, cousins, all right, you got some kid that you're going to be around probably at Christmas time, and like everybody spoils them rotten, all right, if they're in a decent family, it's like, there's like piles of gifts, right, and they just come in, they're like, what, like, thought Santa was at my house, it's here, baby, here we go, but the truth is, after all those gifts, what ends up happening, everybody watch this, maybe as a parent, you remember this, uh, the batteries run out, uh, they get broken, and they get forgotten, right, and after a couple weeks, a couple months, maybe even by the next Christmas, it's all gone. It's been disposed of. And somehow as adults, we actually think that we don't fall into that same, but we do. We do. For and we, and, we, and we want things. And like a loving incredibly wise parent. God knows exactly what you need, even though you may beg for something that you want. I love uh, the portion of this verse in Lamentations that says this, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. This is a callback to Exodus for this writer. This is a callback to when they were wandering in the desert for 40 years and they needed daily provision of food and water. Daily provision. And it wasn't something that they were like, oh yeah, steak please, cordon bleu, love a fried egg, a little bit of butter, toast, yes, bring it on. It was a daily choice to collect just as much food for that day and then to trust again. And for a lot of us, it's really easy to do it once. But 40 years, for some of you in here, it's even been longer than that. To believe that what God could offer you tomorrow would be enough. That you may beg for something more, but he gives you what you need. Provides exactly what you need. Today. The first thing, and I believe this, Christmas represents, if a new day is starting in the birth of Christ, it brings exactly what we need. The second thing it does is it, it brings the hope to keep going. The hope to keep going. You can feel the pain in the author as he writes this. The Lord is good to those who hope, whose hope is in him to the one who seeks him. You can, feel, you can feel the tension in himself that he's like, I have to put my hope, I have to remind myself, I have to call myself back to this place. I have to remember he's my portion and that I have hope 
in him. And it's crazy to think that the time where the hope of the world is born, that hopelessness would reign. But I will tell you, there is statistical evidence that proves that depression goes up during the holidays. It goes up. Heartache goes up. And you know why? Because loneliness is revealed. When others congregate, others are left out. Holidays reveal the loss in a different way, in a bigger way. As it's emphasized in one area, it becomes revealed to others. Our own mixed, missed expectations. Our own lost perspectives on what could be or should be is fractured. And in that moment, we can be tempted to lose hope. I love what the writer of Hebrews says. Let us hold unswearingly, unswervingly, <laughs> unswervingly to the hope we profess. For the one who promised is faithful. Let me just tell you this. I want to get real real for a second. Do not lose hope. Do not give up. This may be specifically for some person in this room. Look, the darkness may reign right now, but the day is coming. The morn is coming. There is a God who is faithful. There is a God who is real. There is a God who is good. I heard an illustration, and I love I loved the thought of it. There's a family that got the worst call I think you can ever get. A family friend uh, had taken his life. And they called in the middle of the night and they rushed over to the home and they had all the questions. Had all the questions and no answers. Loving father, loving husband, lost hope and it's true we can go almost 40 days without food 7 days without water up to 4 minutes without oxygen but we can't go a moment without hope you, you, you can't go a moment without hope and as, as this family broke apart and they brought the wife and the kids over and they brought them into their home and they just cried and wept and were broken. And the friend left his house early in the morning to just get away for a little while and he pulled out right as sunset or sunrise came up and he said he pulled over the lip of this road and there before him was just this glorious sunrise. And he pulled over to the side of the road and he listened to the birds and he thought, oh, if my friend could have just seen this, could have just recognized that the sun will rise again, that God is still here, that his power is still reigning, the sun is still under his control, it still rises and falls 
each day that his presence is powerfully here. And he has not left you. He has not abandoned you. Put your hope in him. One day with Christ, one morning with Christ could make all the difference. The last thing. A new day with Christ brings the help you were seeking. If there is one thing I have found that each of us have a secret list at Christmas time. Each of us have a secret list that we are just hoping maybe somehow this will be taken care of. And, and maybe it, it does have a name and a specific family member. All right, don't point, don't text. All right. Maybe it is a relational issue that you secretly just hope and pray that that would go away. Maybe it's a forgiveness thing. Maybe it's an act of compassion or kindness that you are hoping, hoping and praying. You will be able to give or someone else will be able to give that would be an act that you would see truly as change in a person's heart. Uh, maybe it's just reconciliation. It's just some people that would choose to come back together. Maybe it's financial. You're just hoping over this Christmas that the bonus will be enough, that you will finally spend a little enough, that you'll get a plan, that you won't be absolutely behind when you come to the first of the year, that you'll be able to get ahead. Maybe it is something personal, a struggle, an addiction. And I've found that Christmas season can be one of those things that we feel all the joy, feel all the feels in the sense of what Christmas means, but then truly deep down inside, we recognize that maybe it hasn't gone and it hasn't been what we need. And I just want to speak this over you. A new day with, with Jesus, with Christ, it brings exactly what you need. It will help you. Let me read this last section of uh, Lamentations, Lee, for the salvation of the Lord. Now that verse just seems so small, but it's so powerful in what it's saying. It's saying this, is the finished work of Jesus worth waiting for? Or are we complaining on the road to our greatest gift? Is the finished work of the cross enough to wait for? Patiently, quietly. The amount of times I say this to my kids to wait patiently and quietly is crazy. But I can't tell you how many times I wish I would just have enough self-awareness to say it to myself. I hope this next verse in Romans is the verse that you walk away with today that you're thinking, this is O Holy Night. This is the image of what we need to reclaim and recapture. And to this understanding, under the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. The night is nearly over and the day 
is almost here. Would you repeat that with me? One, two, three. The night is nearly over and the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. The darkness is almost over and the day is almost here. Jesus came as a baby, but he was exactly what we needed. He was exactly what we needed. A humble God, a gift that would reveal his attitude and love for us. That he would come that small, that innocent, that weak to prove that it wasn't about him, but it was about how he felt about us to glorify himself and who he really was. And he did it to provide us hope because we were lost. There was nothing we could do. We were weary. We were finished. It was dark. It was done. And then at that exact moment, what we were seeking all along showed up in a baby. Exactly what we needed. The hope keep going and wait patiently. I hope, my hope for you is as we enter this Christmas season that you will see the gift that Jesus is. You will remember Luke chapter 2. Oh, holy night. You will see it. It's worth waiting for. And the salvation that comes through that that was not what we probably thought or wanted but was exactly what we need. Pray with me.